Welcome back to If I Only Knew, listeners. I'm joined by co-host extraordinaire, the young man that everybody wants to meet, Matt Blanche. How are you, Matt? G'day, Fred. I'm doing really well. Matt and I are about to hit a milestone, listeners. We're not long away from 10,000 streams, downloads, or listens. Mm. Um, We'll do something special when we hit 10,000. Matt has credited our 9,000-plus listens to his dulcet tones, and who am I to disagree with that? (laughs) Uh, I think we all know who the star of the show is, and it's not me. (laughs) But look, given that Matt's carrying uh, carrying the load and doing the hard work, I, I wanted to speak to him and you today about something that sort of deeply disturbs me as a psychologist, which is this concept of the economy of likes. What we're talking about in base terms is the idea that people are doing things because social media recognition is a form of currency to them. If I put up a photo that gets lots of likes, I'm validated, I'm getting attention. If I put up a stream or a post that gets lots of retweets, it means I'm doing something right. Where it's become an issue for me is that in Australia, and and I want to acknowledge not all of our listeners are from here, um, but recently there's a phenomenon that's been reported about on the news in Australia, which is called teen fight clubs. Hmm. Now, you might think back to one of our earliest episodes on toxic masculinity and the great fear I, I voiced in that episode was that whilst we're becoming more and more civilized and our adherence to social norms and social ethics has improved, there are always those that can break those rules for personal advantage. And and I worry about that in the context of violence. So this story speaks to that because it's essentially mad about young teenagers, so 13, 14, 15, picking unsuspecting victims, creating a violent altercation, so picking a fight or king-hitting somebody, Hmm. um, whilst a friend films specifically to have these fights posted on the internet to get people's likes on Hmm. the video. For like their validation, right? Yep. So it's essentially, and there's videos at its worst, there was a 13-year-old girl in Queensland that was held against her will for four hours and beaten senseless by three other 13-year-old kids Hmm. whilst it was filmed, then it was posted, and it got an enormous amount of views. Hmm. Hmm. We'll go into the spectator component of this shortly. Another one I saw was an unsuspecting shopper in a Woolworths, an adult, not a child, could basically get king hit and brought to their knees by adolescents who ran away laughing. Hmm. I find this, from a psychological perspective, disturbing because we are looking at kids that are seeking validation and attention from anonymous strangers and this anonymous currency of likes when clearly something's not present in their support structure. Mm, mm. I see it as much as a cry for help as I see it as bad behavior. Mm. But um, it's bad behavior that could lead to somebody dying. Yeah. You're a bit, you know, more relevant with a, <laughs> the next impending generation than I could be, Matt. Mm-hmm. What's your take on this phenomenon? I thought it was really interesting that you like brought this to me, Fred, uh, for a discussion because I don't think I've really heard of it so much. It's not seemed to be like a 
a trend you know we we started like 10 years ago with planking where you'd go and plank on a wall and we've had the cinnamon challenge where you'd try and eat a teaspoon of cinnamon and people got hospitalized because that really fucks with you and you eat too much cinnamon at once like those are internet challenges this seems different or seems weird to me right because it's not something that's like blazing around the internet is you've got to try this go to your Woolworths and King hit someone right that's not that's not seeming to be what's going on here yet it does I'm not surprised to hear that this is something of a phenomenon and I'm not surprised because violence has always been a currency online and um, I'm very very conscious of that because you know it was one of those big things that parents were very worried about for children with access to the internet when I was in school we talked a lot about what you know what if they see something horrible what if they see something violent what if they see something very destructive and the fact is that happened right lots of young people did come across really violent content from quite a young age and I know of people that you know would sometimes seek that out for there's some I think there's a really dark rush that can come from being a spectator mm. in these things I don't want to get too far in a spectator thing although that's fascinating but we know that this is violence has always been a currency online it does get clicks right um and if if that currency of online attention becomes more valuable to young people as their sense of self becomes more connected to an appearance online or something like that i'm not surprised to hear that they're seeking more radical ways to try and gather it i want to bring a little bit of a question about the role of the internet here or or I, i wonder how this differs from the behavior that these people would have been doing anyway do you think that these people starting these fights, if they didn't have phones, would just go up and punch someone in Woolworths and run away? Do you think they'd smash someone's window at night and run away? Like, I feel like someone doing this is going to have posed a societal problem, regardless of whether they were recording it or not. And now it just feels like there's something commodifiable about that delinquency or that antisocial behaviour. What do you reckon about that? I think that's a really interesting observation insofar as people that are crying for help don't do it in one domain only. Mm. So were it not being filmed, would they do the same behavior? Mm-hmm. The short answer is probably. Mm. The payoff is different. Mm. That's important. Because picking a fight at school has more negative um, attention then it has positive attention. So the mm. likes, mm. in my mind, the the like currency, like in inverted commas, mm. currency, um, is the justification for the consequence. Right, yeah. So I it's got worth doing it. for three days, but I got 10,000 likes. Yeah, cool, I'm a cool, superstar. Cool. Actually, you're an idiot, but we'll talk about why in a bit. <laughs> uh-huh. But there's no doubt this thing is also not about uh, one socioeconomic aspect of society. It's actually across schools. Kids are doing it in school uniforms. It's Mm. kids from good schools, medium, moderate schools, Catholic schools, non-Catholic, public, private, whatever. The issue becomes that there are kids for some reason Mm. that either lack the emotional intelligence or are in a form of pain Mm. and are reaching out for attention. I think the internet as a beast allows people to find a forum to receive attention 
that wouldn't otherwise happen. Mm. So if you got in a school fight and 50 kids saw it and 40 kids went, dude, you were so good. You, you, uh, you really smashed that guy. Mm. And 10 of them would say, you're a dickhead. Yeah. It's still a very small amount of people. Whereas the internet gives you essentially a global stage. Yeah. So you just get more positive reinforcement. So the magnitude of the reinforcement, both positive and negative, has changed. Uh uh So the actions would probably still happen, but the payoff is different. Mm -hmm. The endorphic payoff of the likes Mm -hmm. is different. Mm -hmm. There, There is an argument to say the perverse nature of this is the viewer as well as the perpetrator. Uh-huh. Psychologically, I want to just pose this to you. Uh, I grew up in a different generation. Fights were a part of life, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the most part, uh, if people took my sum total of physical conflict and put it in a bucket and rated it, they'd say he held his own. <laughs> yeah, right. I remember, though, one particular physical conflict that didn't go my own way. Mm-hmm and being overjoyed that no one saw it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because, you know what? Uh, I don't have to justify anything to anybody because no one I know was part of it. No (laughs) one saw it, you know. It was a real random act of violence sort of thing. Hmm. But the victim now is not only victimized at the moment when they're Hmm. physically assaulted, but they're re-victimized by every view. Yeah, yeah. So if the magnitude of the currency of likes is higher, Mm -hmm. the magnitude of the shame of the victim Mm -hmm. is exponentially higher as well. And I worry about the risk of harm to self and others. Mm -hmm. And if this podcast triggers anybody, please reach out in whatever way you can through triple zero or lifeline 13, 11, 14, as we would always say. Mm. But think about what it's like to be the victim Mm. when every kid in your area has viewed a video of you getting the snot kicked out of you when you're minding your own business. And also may well have that video saved on their phone for the future. Like the fact that it's, that it's permanent. It's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that, that you could, you could just have that, you know, if someone wanted to bully you, they just send that to you. Yeah. Just like, oh, you know, video of you of a really traumatic event of your life that's now recorded and saved on everyone's phones. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about the the recirculation of the videos. Mm. I, I that's a new element that I hadn't even thought about. I feel like if you're in school and especially if you're not well liked, I can totally see that happening. That would yep. start to be like the the tool by which people would be out to get you. They'd just bring that up. It'd become your new nickname. They'd just bring that up all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this sort of behavior we know is the worst form of online bullying and online bullying has real world consequences. Mm. The other thing I find remarkable, and this is the folly of youth, and I'm not going to suggest that just because they have phones that (laughs) young kids are doing dumb things because at the same age I was doing dumb things. I was just lucky enough that no one was recording. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But given that this is essentially a permanent record, Mm because nothing on the internet ever goes away. Mm. The bully that King hits somebody at the age of 14 Mm. has to deal with that video when they're 19 trying to get their first job. Yeah, yeah. Or 25 when they're going for a promotion. Mm. Or 28 when they have their first child. Mm. Mm, Yeah, yeah. And you can try pretty hard to bury it, but... 
Well, there's famous cases about sex tapes that they tried really hard to bury. Yeah. And bury means somebody holds it behind a paywall. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Now, I, uh, I, I've, I've often kind of, we grew up hearing, oh, you know, employers are going to Google your Facebook and they're going to, they're going to like uh, investigate all your photos, and make sure that you're, you're of an upstanding character. And I think the reality is that for most of the time, that's, uh, at least a secondary or tertiary consideration, if it happens at all, in my opinion, um, from from what I've seen growing up, as we've normalised and and put social media as just like a, a, a fact of life. But that's totally different from having a reputation or evidence of you literally beating someone up, and that seems like something that would definitely come back to get people. Yeah, Be- particularly because you know, at some point, you want to say to somebody, "I'd like to join your law firm." I'm a I'm an upstanding citizen. Mm. Now, most people are going to say what somebody does at the age of 13 is probably not reflective of who they are at the age of 23. Mm. Mm. But not everybody would think that. No, no. And it doesn't, if if you're competing with other people and they just don't have that compared, and you do, it seems like they'd be pretty hard to get a leg up over them, I would say. I think it's also a case of you can't undo what's been done mm. my in my mind two things happen the perpetrators grow up mm. and they if they're smart choose to distance themselves from the behavior mm. but the victim never will yeah and that's really important yeah and I, I i totally agree fred that people do stupid things when they're young but something about this feels particularly pernicious right like mm. planning to film something to hit people randomly like that's ridiculous and and um I, I i to some extent it almost feels like the consequences of that should be really significant um for so i've got to ask a question it. of you matt because this is where i get stuck should we have more immediate consequences for that here now mm-hmm. for example we know that there's an article suggesting that if it ever happens Twitter is facing more fines in Germany than the value of the company because they have not been able to sanitize certain hate speech that modern day Germany Hmm. just refuses to allow to be part of the zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stuff related to the the mentality of World War II. Hmm. Yeah. Who is responsible and accountable? If if this thing happened, if Joe Smith hit Johnny Smith, yeah, and there was a video of it online, hmm. and clearly it's a criminal action, who would you hold accountable for those actions? Bearing in mind we're talking about two 13 or 14 year olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked about platforms as publishers or not before on this podcast. Um, I think that by and large, Twitter's not responsible for what's on their platform, um, although with a bare level of moderation that is absolutely necessary. Um, Where responsibility lies is an extremely difficult question when it comes to children, right? When it comes to someone who's 11, 12, 13. Um, Especially, I think, when imposing consequences on some people in that stage of life has little constructive purpose because they might, you know, they, they probably know that what they're doing is totally unacceptable or whatever, but there's a reason, as you said, perhaps it's a cry for help or whatever it might be, that they continue to behave this way. I believe that the internet is an impossible to tame um, fact of life now and that for for its existence, it's always had really messed up videos on it, right? Like these things have always existed on 
the internet. I think the fact that you can now put it on mainstream platforms instead of lurking in dark corners of the internet is absolutely a problem. Um, and that's the sort of thing that should be moderated. But I'm, I'm think that to me, the responsibility does to some extent lie with the children that get together and do something like this. I think there's a level of planning that's involved in this that warrants a degree of, you know, censor. And I also think it should probably fall on the people in their lives, be it family or, or whoever might be looking after them to some extent or another, I think. I, I certainly think that the carriers don't have accountability hmm. the same way that Telstra's not accountable hmm. if I swear at someone on the phone. Yeah, a good, a good comparison, I think. You know, we're talking about a utility. I believe the internet is a utility now mm. and it's garbage in, garbage out. Mm. Mm. I have to say personally, if I ever wanted to pick physical conflict with somebody, the last thing I would do, this is why I believe the kids that do it are idiots, right? Yeah. Because you would never post evidence of you committing a crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's just... Call it my upbringing. You know, we all learnt, Italians all learnt from poor old Uncle Al Capone that got done for tax. <laughs> Don't be traceable, is that right? You can do whatever you want and start that, the mafia. That, but, could, yeah. that could be, don't use the mafia word. That's, that's oh, sorry, sorry. Now, but Apologies. The reality is a simple one. Hmm. The second there is evidence of the crime, then it's a police matter. Hmm. Police know they can do very little against juveniles. Hmm. I do think that it becomes about things like Department of Community Services in New South Wales, where they would say, if this is such an overt cry for help, someone needs to look at this family and work out what's going on. Mm -hmm. Now, that's really uncomfortable because we're not suggesting that there's any abuse or neglect with everybody that does this. I certainly think a portion of these kids certainly would fall into that category. Mm. But I also think it has to be uncomfortable for parents because then they have to have a conversation with their kids mm. and they have to confront their own values and what they've transmitted. Mm. My great fear as a psychologist is always, if it happens to you once in the era of, you know, cameras on every phone, mm. surveillance and all the rest of it, you can never outrun the mm. images of your trauma. Yeah, yeah, that's really important. And you can torture yourself with it too, by the way. You can watch it over and over and over and again. Mm. I'd never thought about other little shit sending you the video because it's a bit of a piss take. Mm. The only advice I'd have if people are impacted on issues like this is there are services out there for kids that have been bullied online. Mm. Um, I'm also of the belief that there are ways to validate who you are as a person. So anyway, any time a child gains mastery or competency over a skill set in life that prepares them for dealing with trauma because mm. it's checks and balances. You're exceptional at basketball. If you cop an elbow with evil intent, it doesn't change the scoreboard. You still won the game. Mm. It's a bit shit that it happened, mm. but Matt's still a great basketball player. So you're more likely to bounce back from that. Yeah even though it's a random act of violence, we're actually talking about what what I believe is to be some of the most complex trauma that happens to people is around random acts of violence. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that there are ways through, and if I was a parent trying to parent a child 
in this world, I'd be looking at how they get their academic achievement, their physical achievement through sport. Mm. I'd be building up a scaffolding of, of achievement and mastery and resilience that sets them up really well in the event that something randomly bad happens to yeah. them. Because the more credits you got in the bank, the quicker that you get over the bad things that happen yeah. in life. And you're talking about self-esteem as well, which 100%. is like the, the foundation of how you can yeah. try to um, engage with randomness, right? Because yeah. it's so hard to explain that sometimes bad things just happen. And I think you have to be built up to deal with that. Yeah. And look, if you're a kid out there that happens across this podcast and you were thinking of doing a random act of violence, the result, you know, you're not going to listen to me now because I wouldn't have listened <laughs> either, but don't do it. It's going to haunt you for life. It's like a bad smell that never goes away. And there is no way that you will ever outlive that one dumb decision. And get your kick somewhere else. There's great ways to have a good time and be like a brat by doing other things that don't involve recording you punching someone, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, you know, keep, <laughs> keep, keep it within the brand, grounds of social norms, you know. Mm. Go stream yourself being really good on Street Fighter if that's what you want. You know, you can make money off that, I'm told. <laughs> Matt, thanks for today. This one's really been unsettling me, and I'm glad we got the chance to discuss it. Mm. There's a lot of good that comes from a utility like the internet and mobile data and cameras everywhere. And we have to balance the fact that some people can misuse this great utility mm. for nefarious purposes. For sure. I think overall, we would all say, you know, it's more good than bad. And we keep it in context. For sure. Thanks very much, Fred. I really appreciated you bringing this to me. Not something I'd heard of, but definitely an interesting conversation. Well, you know, I'm down and relevant with the, the younger. <laughs> Facts. Thank you all for listening. And I hope you get to take the time to leave a comment, like, and subscribe on the podcast. We are aiming for 10,000 uh, streams pretty soon. A bit of a magic number for two guys that just decided to do this because, um, you know, we had different points of view, but wanted to see what the generations might uh, come together on. And I think largely our body of work indicates that it doesn't matter how old you are. Common sense is common sense. Yeah, so, I think so. I like that. Yeah. We'll leave you all to it, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of If I Only Knew. See you, everyone. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production, with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes, and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.